How's it going, everyone? Uh, my name is Chris Hagen. Uh, this is Above the Standard, uh, the podcast brought by Barbell Battalion. If you if you haven't already, uh, like and follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Um, check out our Etsy shop. We have a couple stickers and some other stuff that kind of just bring some brevity, some humor, and some pride in our job. Um, but today, I'm super excited to talk with uh, FDNY senior man Mike Perrone. Uh, Mike has over 30 years with the FDNY and spent uh, over 25 of those years with Ladder 175. And we talk about Mike's career, we talk about uh, the truck, we talk about its impact on the fire service. Um, but also, Mike is the owner of Firehouse Innovations Corp, and he has multiple patents and, and was really one of the first ones to start really robust forcible entry doors on the market for firemen. Uh, Mike saw a need. And like any good fireman, when you see something in need, you respond. And, and he, coming from his training and, and his, his decades of experience, brought a better forcible entry option to thousands of firemen across the country. So uh, please uh, give it up. I had so much fun talking with him. Ladies and gentlemen, Mike Perrone. Uh, and uh, we're all recording. Uh, Mike, um, I want to thank you so much for joining me on the Above the Standard podcast. Uh, Mike Perrone, you spent uh, you know a couple years with the FDNY, um, and uh, Mike, and you're the owner of uh, Firehouse Innovations Corp. And uh, I want to thank you so much for uh, spending your time talking with us this evening. Oh, it's my pleasure, Chris. Um, so, Mike, I'll tell you, uh, I, I we spoke uh, kind of briefly on the phone earlier on why I why I contacted you really in the first place and um and really it's the truth I I will say hindsight being what it is my fire academy was pretty substandard and uh and I'll be honest with you my fire academy this is no bullshit Mike um uh I never forced one door the entire duration of my fire academy and so really and so, and, and and this is a, a common thing in my at that time a common thing in my area. And so, um, you know, as as you as you as I would develop, develop in a career, and, and I I'd be reading and just finding out more information about the, this job, you know, I realized, man, I was a real I, I was an idiot. Like I didn't know I didn't know a, I didn't know a goddamn thing. And so, like any good millennial, I kind of went to YouTube and Facebook and Instagram to try to. You know, find out what all these you know what all these geniuses are doing, um, you know, on the job, and you know. So if you if you go on YouTube and you type in forcible entry, Mike Perone's mug is the first video that pops up, and it's a, a long video of just every, you know, normal or I guess teached technique, um, taught technique, um, with forcible entry. And it's your door, and you're you're forcing it with a, a, another brother there, and, um. I slowed down that video, and that video, Mike, literally taught myself and so many guys on my department basics of forcible entry when you're going into a door, commercial or residential. So, one, Mike, um, thank you so much for that one. Um, and uh, Listen, uh, it's, uh, it's funny that you should mention uh, how many doors you force before you go out into the field. Uh, I, I got on a job in 81. September of 81, so I was in uh, probably school, <laughs> and come to think of it, at that time, um, forcible entry was, I think we did it once, I think, 
and it was never gapping. There was none of that. It was always, uh, you know, here's two guys, here's, you know, drive the fork in, one guy's hitting, one guy's using the Halligan, and then we would reverse it where the guy hitting now has the Halligan, and the other guy's hitting. I think that was, for the most part back then, I think that was all we did, <laughs> you know. And um, I remember back then, too, uh, public school was only six weeks. So it was like basically uh, let's teach the guys how to use the mask so they don't kill themselves on the first job and suffocate. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I mean, it was pretty much, you know, get them out into the field. And it was a lot more work back then, too. So once you got in the field, the senior guys kind of took you under their wing and, uh, you know, kept you safe and kept you from dying. <laughs> so when I got out uh, in 2014, I did 33 years altogether in East New York, Brooklyn. And uh, I first went to an engine, uh, 236, got assigned to 236 in 81. And I, uh, I was always good with, uh, I was in construction before I got on a job. And I used to paint houses after that. And, uh, so it was construction, loading trucks, painting houses. And then I got called for the fire department. So when I was in the engine, pretty much I loved it. The 236 engine was a smoking single engine, really good. Did a lot of great stuff there, had a lot of fun. And it was tough leaving a single engine uh, because you don't have the truck across the floor, you know. And I had all this, you know, construction work in my background. I worked with tools and threw up ladders. So it was like, uh, you know, I figured going to the truck. I just saw one of the trucks in our area that did the most with us was 175. It was a tiller rig. And at that time, they were in, uh, they were a single truck at that time, too. Then they moved in with 332. And uh, I transferred then. And uh, did 20, with 25 and change, almost 26 years in the truck. So had the engine experience, and then I had the truck experience. And, uh, you know, uh, if I'm rambling, let me know. No, just, so I... I'm here to absorb information too. I know there's so many people in my position and I, I've, I've, I've kind of talked about this at nauseum when I know if I'm feeling something or, and I've sh shared this before, if I'm feeling something or I experience something, there's a bunch of other firemen out there that are going through the same damn thing. So, um, I'll be honest, the more you ramble, the more information I, abs I absorb and I can, I can, I can take, I can take forth and, uh, and go from there. So, Mike, what what made you want to uh, get on the job in the first place? Uh, well, like I said, I was in construction, and uh, you know, then I was loading trucks at uh, on the graveyard shift. That sucked, uh, but it was a job. And then uh, a friend of mine said, "You want to come in with me?" And we got into a painting business. And we were painting houses. We we're doing Queen Anne's for the most part up in Woodhaven, Queens. That was a lot of bread and butter. Was painting these big queen ants. Was the people in? You know, they weren't going to go up on uh, forty foot ladders and paint their peaks, but we did. You know, <laughs> so so Mike, for somebody uh, outside as as, outside as, of the world as, of New York, what's what what's a hands? What's a what? You said uh, we you were said? we were painting like queen hands. Oh, queen ants. That's uh, you know um, a type of construction private dwelling that has a lot of peaks on it. They're really nice. Uh, uh, type of buildings, you know, uh, sing, you know, singles uh, family, but huge with uh, multiple peaks, and uh, usually a two and a half story. He's usually got two story, and then a, uh, a living attic. They're nice buildings, but uh, awesome. You know, 
So you're, yeah, so so you're painting most, houses most on the graveyard shift, and you... Uh, yeah, yeah. And then I went out to... I was on the beach one day and uh, met, a, met a girl whose father was uh, on a job and, he, and the test just happened to be coming out at the time. And uh, he said, hey, I'm getting applications for my two sons. Would you like an application for the fire department? I said, yeah, well, I always respected firemen. I knew them in my neighborhood, my old neighborhood. And uh, in fact, my old neighborhood was <laughs> where I wound up working. And um, so... Uh, I said, yeah, give me the application. That would be great. I took the uh, test, and I uh, passed and got on. <laughs> so, and that was it. You know, I just said, hey, you know, what I was doing before that, I wasn't working in a job with a pension. We were working for ourselves, you know, paying houses. Like, hey, if I can get on a fire department, isn't that 20 years in the pension? Meanwhile, I stayed for 33. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that was pretty funny. But uh, that it went that way. But, uh, in fact, I had uh, 20 years when I got on September uh, 81, September 5th of 81. So I had 20 years just before 9-11 hit, a few days before 9-11 hit. Okay. And, uh, you know, I had no intention of getting out. I loved the job. So I, uh, you know, we and plus after that, you weren't getting out. We were going to do whatever we could to, you know, right that situation, go down when we had to to dig and, you know, and still work and whatnot. And 25 years came along, and I was like, man, I could still do this job on my head. I, could, I stayed in good shape. So I was like, you know, 30 came along, and I said, oh, I'll stay on a little longer. The doors were doing good. The doors were doing good at that time. So I was doing, I was doing, you know, 24s back then and off of 72 and working all 72 on the doors, you know. You know, schlepping them from, fabricated to powder coat to shipping to delivering uh, you know all that stuff so I stayed busy <laughs> you know, so. yes so when uh when you got on the job in 81 and you went to the engine do you remember mm-hmm. what um what the biggest i don't want to say wake up call but what was the biggest surprise if you remember coming out of the academy to getting on the truck or getting on oh, the that's engine easy. That's easy. First night, we had a job the first night. wasn't much. It was uh, first floor of a, uh, I remember a building on Picking and Hemlock. And it uh, wasn't much, but it was the first job. It was like the third run in for the night. And damn, I, I remember <laughs> getting off the rig. And, you know, when you knew, you get to the back step. I was the backup man because when you go to an engine in, in uh, FDNY, they make you the backup man for a while. That way, you're behind a guy with some time, and you got the officer right behind you, and then, you know, so you're you're right there. Now, I remember, <laughs> I step, I get to the back step, and I had my mask on. I had the old Scots at that time, and I go to fasten the seat, uh, you know, the uh, the waist strap. It wasn't fastened, and the nozzle man already grabbed his folds and stepped off, and now I'm supposed to. St- grab my folds and step off. I'm trying to clip the waist strap, right? The, the seatbelt waist strap, right? And all of a sudden, our chauffeurs at that time used to time it. If they pulled up in front of the building, they, they count a certain amount of count, figuring the two guys got their, or the three guys got their folds, and then they go to the hydrant. Sure enough, I go to 
grab my phone, go to step up, and grab my phones, and Brig takes off. I go, oh no, it was ridiculous. I'm like, I didn't have my phones. I grabbed the, the line, like as if I could pull it and, and pull a whole bunch of lines. It's, it's fire hose, it ain't covered off. I go, oh shit, I'm, I'm, I'm sunk here. So I just followed in the nozzle, and good thing it was on the first floor, and we had enough line to get to the fire. That was like a major wake up. And then you talk about wake up, your first fire, when I came out of it, I go to the guys, how do you see anything in there? <laughs> you know, they go, they go, what do you it's mean? Dark. I go, I go, I saw orange for about three seconds. I'm, <laughs> my, I'm right behind Walter, and, and all of a sudden, I hear, I hear the line working, and yeah. I'm trying to back him up as much as I can. He's got no kickback. I'm doing the right job backing up. I don't see anything. And then the fire's pretty much out. Truck's taking windows. I go, how did you guys do this job? You can't see anything. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that was a little wake up the first night. Yeah, yeah it, was, it was pretty good. But I'm glad it came right away. It came in the third one, uh, somewhere around the third one of the night. I remember we didn't run much like at, at that until we had that job, and it was right before supper. And uh, what's funny is, uh, and at that time we were doing 5,300 runs a year, the engine was. And um, so we ran a lot, and and the work was still there. But it was funny, that night we go back to the firehouse, right, after this little job. So we go back to the firehouse, the doors, and at that time you had to go in, you didn't have the automatic door opener. So you had to go through the front door and, and pop the door open. So somebody goes in there, pop the door, door, the door starts going up, right? The apparatus uh, door. And all of a sudden I see smoke coming out of the firehouse. I'm like, oh man, we got another job, and it's the firehouse. But it, <laughs> but it wasn't. What happened was we left a. Uh, it was the first night that we were using this pressure cooker pot to do a pot roast, and us being at the fire delayed us there, and this thing dried out and started smoking up the firehouse. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, this is great. This job's great. <laughs> Meanwhile, I had no relatives on the job, so so that first night was another eye opener. Um, I was living at home at the time. It was 20. Well, 24, 25, and um, and uh, my mother being a, you know the Italian mom, she's like, oh, you're gonna stay there from what? From six o'clock till nine tomorrow morning? Come on, you gotta eat, you know, eat. <laughs> so I'm like, <laughs> so, so I eat a big supper and then go to work. I didn't know they had. I figured maybe they eat snacks or something. I didn't even know you sat there and, and <laughs> did a whole meal. meal. <laughs> oh, man. So it was a great first night. It was, uh, it was unbelievable. But I was like, oh, this is great. And, it, and at that time, I was going to come in the next night. See, we were doing straight tours. You were doing two-night tours. Then you're off 40, uh, 20, uh, 48, and then you go in for the two-day tours. So I was going to do another tour the next night. I couldn't wait. I went home after that night tour, barely slept the uh, you know, caught a couple of winks in the daytime, went back in. I couldn't wait to go back in again. It was great. But that was an eye-opener. And I stayed in that engine. It was tough to leave there. Single engine, it's tough to leave. You know, so, it's, different if you got a, it's different if you got a truck in quarters with you and then you feel like you did enough time in the engine and you're going to go across the floor to the truck. You don't have to leave the house. But I had to leave the house. And uh, I still have uh, great friends from there. We still go out a lot, you know. You're you're wait. You're allowed to go out in New York. I thought. Uh, <laughs> I, I, wait, I thought you guys were locked down like Michigan is. Oh uh, yeah, right. <laughs> I'm kidding. Yeah. 
Um, so my, what what was that different, or what is that difference that you experienced with a, a single engine house versus one with a truck? What is that difference? Oh, when I went to the truck, and they were already in with three thirty two engine. So yeah, well, you, I were went there, you yeah, you were saying double that, house. The, yeah, double yeah. house is pretty cool because there's so many more guys. You know, you can. I mean, it's just so many more guys you could play, uh, you know, wiffle ball in the back, <laughs> you know, on, a, on your downtime. It was just more people, you know, but it was still, I, I still stayed close with the guys from my old house. And I still ran in with them because it was in the same areas. They were both, both companies are in East New York. And uh, we did a lot of the first do work with 236, my old house. So I still see the guys at fires and I still, you know, we go out after. So it was a good time. When you when you look back on your time on the engine, um, you know who, you know what 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 um, officer or senior man or what what guy on the job that you look back on finally that that really you feel like like helped shape your entrance into the career because I know like you know that that the your first couple anyone's first couple of years there you can you can really make or break a fireman especially in their attitude and 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 how they absorb this on the job. Who did? Who stood out like that for you? Well, there was a bunch of guys in 236 when I first got on that were guys you looked up to. First guy who opened the door when I knocked on it, was when I was assigned there, uh, John DeSaro. I still know him. He's like, uh, I just went to his 80th part, uh, birthday party not long ago. So uh, he was uh, he was really always a great guy. I mean, uh, you know, one of his sayings was, you know, you take the bull by the horns. You know, he, he would do anything that was, uh, that he had to do. At the time when I got there, he was one of the uh, seated chauffeurs in the engine, you know, but you could tell he, he paid his dues, you know, and uh, he was the kind of guy, he, he needed anything done, you know, like John would jump up there and, and do it as a senior guy. So he was very influential. Uh, John Gazel was an influential guy, terrific guys. Uh, Tony Nuccio, who passed away a few years back, he was an excellent guy too. In fact, um, he was uh, had a lot of good engine jobs with him, and uh, we had a lot of fun. He was an older guy, but he was a really great fireman. And um, when I went to the truck a few years after I transferred to the truck, he transferred as an older guy to the truck. You know, he went. He left two thirty six and came to one seventy five to Walsall, and he retired out of there. But Tony was a fantastic guy. Learned a lot from these guys. I mean, you didn't want to let them down. You know, when I was in the engine, one of the things about 236, one of our models was you don't give up the line. You just don't give up the line. You know, you can be, if you run out of air, just hang tight. The guys who, you know, will come up and relieve you, and then you go out. And when you go out, you don't take it, you know, it, it ain't over. You go and you switch out your cylinder, and you come right back in, and you get back on that line in case those guys go down you know, uh, run out of air. And then you, that way you keep your line going. You know, all the company takes your line, you know. So, you know, you learn stuff like that from those guys. And, uh, you know. and when you're in a single engine, the motto is, too, the engine puts out the fire. You know, you're not in, in with a double company where there's more senior guys in the truck and they're kind of, you know, downplaying the engine, which they tend to do for, you know, kidding around. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But when you're in a single engine, it's, hey, the engine puts out the fire. Know, and they do. <laughs> That's why I'm always I'm always always of the uh, uh, I don't know the always of the belief that you should at least. Now I did 
I put my paper in at seven years in the engine to go to the truck. And six months later, I got the transfer. So seven and a half years I did in the engine. I am of the belief you should at least do five years in an engine. You got to, because a couple of reasons. You learn how much you can push. You know, I mean, you go in, you know, and it's, you learn how much you can, you can take. Also, when you first come on, I don't think they do you a favor of putting you in a truck first because there won't be much time before in a truck you're working on your own a lot. How as so? far as the positions are concerned. You know, I mean, so? I'm going by FDNY positions. I know a lot of volunteer companies, they, they ride very light. You know, and uh, some, even some paid departments are, are riding two or three guys on a rig. I mean, you know, we rode in an engine at that time. There weren't four-man engines when I rode. When I was in one, uh, 236, it was, uh, it was always a five-man engine, plus you got the officer. All right, so that's six guys. And, uh, yeah, and the trucks were always five and an officer. So, but you all had your positions, you all knew your spots, you know. And I always thought that the best thing for a new guy coming on would be to be in an engine because... They usually make you brand new. You don't know fires yet. Who knows? Your first job may be a basement fire. You know what I'm saying? Where it's you know it's uh, balls to the wall. And uh, the best thing they could do with a new guy is put him as the backup man. Of course, you got an experienced guy as the nozzle man. You're right behind him, and the officer's right behind you. So right there, you got experience on front and back of you. Plus, you got water. Right. Shit hits the fan, you got water. Plus, shit really hits the fan. If shit really hits the fan, the line is your is your uh, way out. You know, it's your search rope, the hose line. So you know, that's uh, that's why I believe you should learn fires, learn in the engine. Plus, another thing too is. When a good truck is working with you and you're operating the line, you can tell when they take the windows opposite the line, how the fire easily pushes out easier, it doesn't wrap around and burn you, you know what I mean? You're not getting steam burns. You can tell when a, when a truck is venting really well, when they're taking the ceiling on a top floor fire and pushing the ceilings down above you, you don't mind getting hit with that woodland plaster in the head because you know you're getting a good vent, you know? So a good engineman appreciates the truck and then when you get to the truck you know how much the engine appreciates you doing your job well you know i don't know if i'm am i rambling no hell no hell no hell no 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 no. i'm just giving you no absolutely you uh this this is awesome and so um when uh when you made that transfer to the truck and Mm -hmm. what you were saying to um you know, there's a lot of positions within the truck where you're you're operating by yourself, um, right? So, With experience, usually you get to the truck and they make you the can man. The can man has the two and a half gallon uh, water extinguisher and, a, and a, a wooden hook, right? He's the guy that's going to hit if needed. For he's going to pull ceilings. He's going to put first water on the fire if he gets in there before the engine. Right? But he's the guy that's teamed up with the irons man. In case the irons man needs hitting, you know? Yeah. You gap the door and you know, sometimes you gotta drive the fork in. Your can man's gonna do that for him. 
right? And the can man and the irons man and the officer is your inside, they call it the inside team because they're going to the front door and they're going, or if it's an apartment building, they're going upstairs, they're going to the apartment. So they're working the inside. The outside team now, that's where you got guys working individually. All right, you got the roof man working the roof, flat roof, and FDNY, and you go up there and you vent, you know, flat roof, you vent in the stairs. If it's a top floor fire, you vent in, you're doing horizontal venting from the roof. There's a lot going into that roof man. All right, uh, the outside vent, the OVM, the outside vent man, he's going opposite where the hand line's going. Say you got a fire in it, oh, I don't know, a four story, and the fire's on the second floor. He's going up the rear fire escape opposite where the line would be coming into the apartment. He's going to BES those windows, you know, and uh, private dwelling. He's he's looking at where the hose line's going. He's going to vent before he enters. So he's going to vent, enter, and search, but from, you know, he's going to vent for the engine to push the fire out, and then he's going to enter. And, uh, and the chauffeur, which when you have a lot of time in the truck, you wind up being a chauffeur. And I think all my time on, that was the hardest position. Because first of all, you got to know when the alarm comes in, we didn't have GPS. We weren't working off of GPS. When the alarm came in, you had to know your neighborhood. You had to get the guys there. So you get them there safe. And what we had in East New York, we had a lot of overhead wires. So you had to not only, if it was a flat roof and it was right two-story two building, those are the worst because when you go to put the aerial up to put the roof in onto the flat roof, the wires were in your way a lot of times. So you had to get a little creative. Sometimes you had to shoot the aerial down uh, the alleyway and cantilever it. So the guy's going up the aerial and gets to the, the power lines, he gets under them, and then gets to the tip of the aerial, and it's actually cantilever. It's not sitting on the roof, and he's got to step off sideways on it. So sometimes you have to get creative. You know, I mean, sometimes when you couldn't put the aerial up on those streets, you had to have your roof man. If it was a flat roof, you you yell for him. To, you know, he could go adjoining building, but that was always tough. So what you tell him is, I would tell the guy all the time, see if you got a, a rear setback, and then he would come back to me. If he said, I got a rear setback, that's great. And then you pull, he'll pull the portable back there, throw it onto the rear setback, go up onto the rear setback, pull the portable up onto the setback, and then onto the roof. You know, so we used to call that an up and up. See if you got an up and up in the back, and then he'd come back. If he's got none, then we had to get creative. It's like, all right, go to, this, you know, go to the, try, you know, the adjoining building. If you didn't have an adjoining building, we might have to throw up the 35, excuse me, the 35, which we call the beast. That's the 35 portable. Yeah, the beast. That was the heavy ladder. <laughs> that's, uh, that's no joke, the 35, but, uh, but sometimes you had to do it. You know, yeah. So there was always, with, what it was with the truck, with the engine is, is a little less thinking. And I don't mean you have to be dumb to be in an engine. Engines are fantastic. It just means, hey, we got a fire on the second floor. We're first due. We're stretching a line on the second floor and putting out the fire. It's pretty cut and dry, you know. Um, in the truck, we got a fire on the second floor. Okay, if, I gotta, if I'm the chauffeur, i got to put the roof mat up if it's a flat roof put him up, then I'm going to VES the front of the building. The front of the building is my responsibility. I'm going to vent, enter, and search from the front, from the outside. The OVM is going around the back. So right there, you got positioning. So the truck is a lot of different positioning, all right? The inside team for the truck is easy. Their first dude, they're going to the second floor. They're going to the fire floor. 
know what I mean? Yeah. So that's the way we run it in the FDNY. So there is a lot more thinking. There should be more experience in the truck, you know? And uh, that's why I, should, I, I believe you should do at least five years in an engine before you decide to go to a truck. But so, that's just me. So, so when you went to the truck um, mm-hmm. in, in, in you spent all this time, all this time in two thirty six, and you were one seven five. What um, w- were there any like terms, tactics, techniques um, that even though you spent this time on the engine, um, you you just it was I won't say a wake up call, but a surprise to you when you made that switch over um, to the truck. You know what? Before when when I put my paper in. Right, I put it in at, at seven years. I didn't get transferred for six mo- uh, six, uh, six months. It was seven and a half years I did the engine. Even before I put my paper in, when I was thinking about it, being serious about it, I started studying ladders, ladders one, which is not as portable, uh, if I remember right, ladders two. I, but ladders three was the biggie because that took in a lot of buildings in my area and ladders four. Lattice 3 was all multiple dwellings, if I remember correctly. And that I, I read through three times before I went to the truck. I, same with uh, private dwellings. Was was this sort of uh, like a, a curriculum or books? Or, yeah. Or training exactly, out the FDNY had? Yeah, exactly okay. what it is. In fact, when you study for uh, promotions, that's what you have to study that stuff. You got to know that stuff flat. So it was funny because I used to get a couple of guys used to see me when I had time uh, – little downtime, I'd be up on the second floor uh, in the bunk room and I'd be reading. And they're like, hey, Mike, what are you studying to be a lieutenant? And I'm like, no. And they're like, really? What are you studying? You studying? Yeah, I got to get that all the time. And I'm like, no, I just, I'm studying because I want to be a better fireman, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And when I got to the truck, I read through uh, and, and uh, firefighting procedures also from uh, Brownstone and uh, and real frame, I read that also. All that I read three times through before I even got the transfer. So I was kind of glad in a way that sure. it took six months to get the transfer. But when I got there, I had a lot of, uh, lot of you know, fairly basic rundown of what the truck and their positions were doing. You know, because that's the whole thing in the truck. You got to get in your position. You can't willy nilly. You got to. You got to. The whole thing. In fact, I had <laughs> one of the guys. I remember when he, he got first got to Bradford Street. He was a junior guy. He was in the engine. Then he came, years later, he came over to the truck. And when he got promoted, he took the lieutenant's test. When he got promoted, he wrote me a letter and put it in my locker. All right? So I, I, so he's gone, right? He got promoted. I pulled the letter out. I started reading it. And he goes, one of the parts I remember him saying was, he goes, I was more afraid, he goes, I was more afraid of not being in position and you finding out about it than anything else. Because <laughs> <laughs> I always stress with my guys, look, the truck is position, position, position. And then when you're in position to do what you got to do, then the physical part comes in. And that you can always practice. You know, we practice cutting moves. We practice forcible entry. We practice. And we mostly did this on vacant buildings at the time. And after a while, the vacant buildings, uh, when Giuliani came in, he started boarding them all up. He pretty much, you know, before that, we had probably half our, our fire duty in the early 80s was vacant buildings. And uh, after we'd have a job in a vacant, we'd go back there on the next set of tours and we'd cut the roof a bunch of time. Everybody get, a, you know, some training in. We'd get the new guys to cut roofs and pull ceilings. And, 
you know, those old buildings too, those hundred year old buildings, the kitchens all had those metal, uh, metal uh, tin ceilings. And you know, that takes a little bit of, you know, tactics and a little bit in the beginning to not hurt yourself with that, and, uh, you know, and breaching walls. And then we would pin up any doors that were still on the hinges. We would pin the bottom by driving a halligan in to the floor behind it. So it would pin the bottom, and then we'd go through tactics of forcible entry, and, you know. So yeah. It was all good. It was, you, had to, you had to practice your craft. And, uh, guys used to love it, too. And yet when you were a more senior guy, I remember after we check every tour, you check your tools, you know. So after we checked the tools, you know, there was committee work, you know, cleaning up the firehouse. And after we checked the tools, the guy, younger guys would always come up, Mike, we're going out today, we're going out you know, drill. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, no problem, you know, especially if we had the meal for the day tour or whatever. While we, before we went for the meal, I'd stop the truck and then go over a bunch of things in different areas, you know. So, go down gates, we go over tactics. Sometimes when I had a guy uh, that was uh, going to be going to chauffeur school, I'd stop the rig, get out, say, I right, get in and drive. The third building in is going to be on fire on this next block. What are you going to do? And he'd go in and he'd position the rig, and then we'd talk about where he's shooting the aerial to. And it's just, you know, it's, all, it's always learning. And the more you pass on to other guys, the safer everybody is, you know. So I always felt that way. So I was always a big drill guy with the guys. Why was that important to you? I mean, outside of the obvious, but you know, you you kind of mentioned it yourself that you would, even as a senior man, you would be you know on on the engine or wherever you were you were constantly keeping up with 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 your craft. And um, where where did that drive come from with you? Where you know because it's so easy because every every firehouse has them, every department has them that uh, the, you kind of just get in this repetitious world of you kind of just, you know, you know, you, you, you know, the job, you know, it's going to come, um, you know, why did you feel this urge to, to constantly try to try to get better and improve yourself? I always wanted to be the best, you know, be the best at what you do. I and mean, that was always, uh, that was always the way we felt. I mean, I played ball, I played football. When I played football, I wanted to be the best receiver out there, you know? And, uh, uh, one year when he was messed up, uh, a quarterback, I wanted to be the best quarterback in the league. You know what I mean? Not, not like crazy ravenous driven, but, you know, you, you never want to be second best. You know, you never sat the bench. And that's the way I felt with the companies I went to. Good thing I went to two good, really good companies because they had the, the feeling where you got to be the best, you know? And I like that. And uh, when I got to 175, as you become a senior man, I was like, we'll always be ready to go. We're always, we're going to be, you know, creaming the crop. That's what I used to say, man. Just be, be the best you can be. Always be in position. Always get your position. When they come to you and say, what'd you do? Here's what I did. I was, uh, you know, they come up to you, hey, hey, Joe, whatever. You come up to you, what'd you do on this one? Well, I was the OVM. I went around back. I waited for them to say they had uh, water and I took the windows, you know. That's another thing, too. Guys, horizontal vent. I've seen guys a horizontal vent, not not us so much, but uh, I've seen guys horizontal vent before the water was was there. You know, I mean, if you're going to VES vent enter and search for life, you got to pick and choose. You know, your, your window and let them know where you're going. And if the officer says no, 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 you know, you're going to light it up, then you didn't do that. You know, but if they had water and you were opposite the line, 
then you take the windmills. You take them prematurely, you're gonna, you're gonna, you know, everybody knows you're gonna spread yeah. that fire. Yeah, you're gonna that fire. You know, over. but that's discipline. That's position, and that's knowing what you're doing when you're in the position. And then there's the physical part of, you know, there's a physical part too of each thing you do. Venting the roof. You know, I've seen more guys from other companies bogging down their sores. You know, and uh, especially if you're first due, you're first due, you go up there, you got a flat roof, you know, you're taking the uh, scuttle or skylight, you know, and then you're, you're, you're checking the perimeter real quick and you're coming back. Maybe the second due in, in New York is right up, right up your butt, you know, so you're up there with a saw now after you've, you know, you took the uh, scuttle, skylight, sometimes a bulkhead, and you're checking over the sides and giving you a report. And if it's top four fire, you're in charge of not only pulling that hole for the guy that's cutting, the second dude guy that's cutting, but you got to now think about your, your horizontal fan also. You know, so, because a lot of guys will, they'll forget that. They'll pull the hole, you know, push down the ceilings, but they're forgetting about the horizontal vent. Now, hopefully your OV is on a fire escape, but there may be shafts an enclosed shaft on the two side or the four side that nobody's getting to but the roof man. You can't reach it. You're not getting an aerial up to it. It's an enclosed shaft. You got to vent those windows too. A lot of guys forget that, you know, from the roof. So there's so much involved. I mean, it's really, yeah. uh, you know, position, 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 you know, that's what it comes down to. And know the physical part of once you're in your position, what you're doing, you know? So when you, so, you know, when you came on the job and you came on the truck and so at what point i guess did you know or how how was it distinguished that now mike perone's the senior man and who did and who did you take over for as senior man uh, the last guy who got retired before i was on we do the rack you know as you come on to the company your your coat goes on the rack your nameplate goes above your coat so as guys move or retire or get promoted, everybody moves up. Okay. So by the time I moved up, I think the guy in front of me was Eddie Fulford. Okay. Pretty sure. He came on the job a little after me. I think one or two, just one or two classes after me, I think. And but he was in the truck. He transferred to the truck before me, so he had more time than me. It's time in the company. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like somebody could come on with a lot of time already on a job, transfer in, but they're the last guy on the totem pole, you know? And you work your way up by being in the company that long, you know? And I think it was Eddie Fulford in front of me. I think he was the last guy to go out before I became the senior guy there. And uh, I think Brendan Coyne was right after me. I'd have to go down the rack. And we always talk about the rack, you know? Where, where you at on the rack, <laughs> you know? It's like, uh, yeah, yeah. That's that's how you. I think it's that way most places. I would think time and company, right? So, what did you what did you take away, just in terms of of, of the the firehouse culture, the leadership, um, you know, abiding by that same rule that 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 yeah, ladder one seven five is going to be the best. What what um what did those senior guys ahead of you? Um, either teach you or or what uh, what standard did you set for new guys coming in as as, as the senior man? Uh, when they when they come in as a senior guy, a lot of times I would if there were transfers in, 
as a senior guy, I find a time to just uh, take them to the side and say, look, uh, whatever you did in your last company, if it was, if you got, I don't know, if you had a bad rap or whatever, I say, you come in here with a clean slate. So whatever you do, you know, we're taking you by what you did here. Because there was a few guys that, that came in and then you get a call from their old house. Oh, watch him for this and whatever. And I, I know if that was the kind of, if I was the senior guy when that came in, and it came in twice, I think. And I'm not going to mention names. And, yeah. um, both times, I took the guy to the side and I said, listen, I said, this guy called up on you, whatever. And, oh, shit. I said, listen, you're coming in here with a clean slate. I said, what you do from this point on is what you're going to be judged on here. And that was it, you know. And a lot of times with transfers, it's not the greatest thing because they may be, they may bring a couple of, uh, but they want to come, see, if you transfer in 175, that means you wanted to go to work. It was a work company. You know, we didn't run a lot, and that was good, but our workload was there, you know. Like the last year, last full year I did was, uh, we were number one in the, in the uh, city in uh, all hands or greater. Number one truck in the city, so that was pretty good. And what, was and, the, uh, what was the response that those transfers or those new guys would have when you... When you no, say- they were grateful. They were grateful. They, look, they, get, they got like a fresh start, and that was only... Two guys that I remember coming in with baggage where their old company said something about. You know what I mean? So I was like, listen, what am I supposed to do? You know? I said, I let them know this is what they told us. Oh, no, no. I said, don't worry about it. I said, you got a clean slate here. I said, you want to do, you know, if you want to do stupid shit, <laughs> and, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll call you on it. I said, but, you, you know, you got a clean slate, so make, make a new start and uh, welcome to the company. So what else are you going to say? Yeah. So in, in terms of the, in in terms of the fire service in general, you know, what to you personally, what does, what does the truck mean to the fire service? Um, And and we talked about this, we've talked about this kind of in brief beforehand and, and I can find a ton of information on the engine and why it's important and blah, blah, blah. And there's, you gotta dig, you gotta dig a little deeper to find some okay. some good qualitative information on the truck, so okay. you you know you you know coming out at, coming out, retiring as a senior man on, on, on letter one seven five you know what what did the truck mean to you and what do you think the truck means to the fire service? All right, first of all, if you can't get in, it don't go out, <laughs> right? <laughs> Why don't go out if you can't get through the door? So the first thing is the inside team. First thing they got to do is force whatever door is locked to them, all right? Hey, you may show up and the door's wide open, fine. And you're getting in, and what are you conducting next? Search, right? But a lot of guys get stopped at the door. You don't know, and that's where that's where my, my forcible entry door comes in to train guys really well so that they don't, their first uh, encounter with forcing doors isn't at a fire for the first time. You know what I mean? So they're already... Uh, that was a little plug for my door, but you know, it no, is no we'll, we'll get into there, it. So. We'll, we'll get into the but, door. Don't worry. But let me, let me just get to this stuff. The truck, the first thing is you got to get in and the truck gets you in. Right. It don't, you don't get in. It don't kill It don't go out. Now, once you're in, you're doing a search. So you're searching for victims. So that's what the truck's doing. They're forcing entry and they're starting to search. Also, 
they're venting. The outside vent man, the chauffeur in the front, you're venting the floor, okay? You're venting, they have water, you're venting, you're entering and searching, okay? The roof man's getting your vertical vent going, all right? And um, I know in a lot of places, I don't know who, who's going to hear this, but I know a lot of places uh, that have private dwellings, I know they cut the roofs on private dwellings. We didn't do that in the FDNY. Private dwellings, peaked roofs, rather. Peaked roofs, we didn't cut. I mean, you could have a private dwelling with a flat roof, and that we cut. You know, we cut flat roofs. And only if it's a top floor fire, anyway. So, uh, or, well, sometimes it could be on a lower floor, but it got up in the shaft, and now it's in the cock loft of the building, and we would cut then, too. But we go up there and we vent. Right? So now you're venting the, the vertical vent, you're getting the horizontal vent, right? You're getting the vertical vent from your roof man, you're getting the horizontal vent from your OVM, outside vent man, and your chauffeur, okay? Yeah. The inside team is forcing entry and searching. That's a lot. That's a lot to do. Uh, a lot to help the, the fire situation, especially the victims. <laughs> yeah, for sure. You know? Yeah, and then the engine, the engine's job is to push on the fire. You know? And, uh, and I always say, a uh, couple things, if, if three things go wrong at a fire, you can turn a one-room fire into a multiple alarm. And that's, the first thing is, you got to force entry. You got to get in, right? Okay. Entry. Second thing is, you got to have water in the line. You can't have a show for an MPO that's losing water one second, giving you too much pressure the next, losing water again the next second. You gotta have steady water. And the third thing is you gotta have an engine company with could I say it, balls, you know what I'm saying? Hell yeah. I mean there's a lot of there's a lot of women out there with balls too. <laughs> and, that's, <laughs> and that's and that's not meaning bad. That Absolutely. means meaning no, they got no hard. They got hard. Okay? If you got hard, that's the engine company you want. You want an engine company that's gonna push and push and push, you know? And when one guy runs out of air, the next guy's right there. It's not like the line is stopped. You want, come on, move in, come on, move in, move up, move up, move up, you know? And another thing, I how how much can I say on here? Can I say Mike, shit and all Mike, that stuff? Mike, to, to put it softly, you can say whatever the fuck you want. Oh, okay, here we go. <laughs> You want to laugh? I always had an analogy for the engine, okay? And uh, I was I was a dad that I got two kids. I was a dad that never was a uh, you know never uh, shied away from changing my kids' diapers, yeah. right? Okay, yeah. you got to change your baby's diapers, right? You want to laugh? This is gonna somebody's gonna say this guy's out of his mind. <laughs> but I always used to tell people. I said, you know what? I said, you know when the kid has got a little bit of um, you know. A little bit of an explosion in his diapers. Yeah. I says, and you open it up, and you go, "Oh no!" And what do you do? You go for the main body first. You just grab that diaper, and you get as much as you can right away. And afterwards, you come back for the little nooks and crannies, right? Yeah. Okay. I said the same thing. I said, guys, I said, don't listen to people you hear. I mean, it's 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 behind. It's behind. Usually, when it, when the guy's screaming behind somewhere, saying it's it, you got fire behind it. Usually, it's a drape or it's a closet, or it's a side room. I said, you go in there, you knock the shit out of the main body as much as you can. Then you worry about the pockets on the side. You worry about the, the closets, the, the drapes, the, the room to the side that you missed. Usually at that time, after you knock down the main body, you hand the, the line to the, to the junior guy, and you tell him, 
go ahead, have some fun, pull out the pockets, you know? Yeah. I'm just saying, it's it's like a weird analogy. But it's super good. And you know, I don't know. Like, I have I have a daughter who's a year and a half old, and I had, I had two explosions today where I had to go after that main part. There you go. And you went for the main, the main, <laughs> the main yeah, body, the, <laughs> the main body. Go for the main body and worry about the, <laughs> worry about the pockets. Yeah, pockets yeah. yeah. <laughs> Crazy, right? So, Mike, why'd you? So, so then, all right. So, are you at this point? At this point, Chrissy, you're sorry you picked this interview. <laughs> Mike, I, I, I'm hoping that you got a beer next to you because I'm loving all this right now. Um, so, what? Uh, so, what made you want to end up starting uh, making doors? You know, all the, you know, you have all this oh, that's, experience. That's on the, easy. Yeah. So right, you have all this experience easy. on the job. You have, you know, you, you know, painting houses and doing construction on the mm-hmm. job on the engine on the truck. You know. Where did where did doors come into play? So you're ready for another long ex- explanation? Mike, <laughs> I, I, like, okay. like I say on the job, I, I work until 8 a.m. tomorrow, brother, so you're good. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, when I had about 23 years in, right, uh, after 20, like I said, after 20, anything, God forbid, happens to you, you got your full, you know, you got your pension, whatever, and uh, you can worry about that after. So in the... At that time, I was in, I was well into 175 a lot of years, and um, I uh, the 44 Battalion was our battalion, and it was always uh, the, the, the companies in the area that were in the 44 were pretty much loaded because the guys wanted to be in those areas. We had we had us in East New York, then we had 120, 231, and. Bronzeville, we had uh, 176 and 233 was in our battalion also up in, in Bushwick, and we had 227 engine, single engine that was in our battalion also up there in Bushwick. And um, what happens is uh, that when you have that many guys that want to be in good areas, the, the houses get manned to, to the top. So when you have battalions that are low in people, you get a lot of overtime because they have to fill the spots. We have minimum manning in the FDNY. You know what I mean? Sure. So when you have a lot of guys in the houses, pretty much full rosters, right, in each firehouse in your battalion, there wasn't a lot of overtime in the battalion. So now I had over 20 years. I'm thinking, you know what? I'm getting, like, no overtime because we're in a really good battalion. <laughs> and I says, you know what? Let me let me go to the, to the rock to teach. And all they required from you was two classes and at that time there were three month classes each so all you had to do was you go there to teach probies for six months two classes right six months and then you can go back into the firehouse and then when they need guys to fill in the instructors that are on vacation or taking a day here or there if you're already an instructor that's been there they can call you for overtime Oh, good, good work so, on yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, so it was it was a great deal, but and it was a lot of fun. I got there and it was actually pretty pretty cool uh teaching probies, you know, different things and uh so when I got to the rock and I was teaching, I realized when, when there was forcible entry to be taught, the props they had they were garbage. I mean, total garbage. They were like you couldn't even gap. The first move on an inward opening door with a metal jam is to gap it, right? Adds between door stop and door and gap the locks over. And then, then if you got to do the two-man drive it in, that's fine. These props, all you could do was drive the fork in. So right away, I'm like, well, how are we going to teach them the first move? They go, oh, you got to show them. You can't do it on that prop because it'll break. <laughs> 
I'm like, I'm like, okay, okay great. So <laughs> I got to show them, like, look, guys, here's what we would normally do. Then you're going to get to this point. Man, they go, like, yeah, they that go, happens yeah, so much do. in the fire service. This is what – I got to show you this. This is what you normally do, but I can't do it right now. Do that. That's <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And how about Spike in the gym? They had nothing set for Spike in the door gym. And I'm like, half of these guys are going to go to – Houses where, uh, houses where the majority of the houses are private dwellings. So they don't even gonna have the experience of spiking a jam not once coming out of here. So I said, oh, man. So I thought about it, and I started in my head, thought about developing something, and I wound up developing, uh, put it down on paper. I went to, uh, you know what's funny? When I wanted to get it made, I says, oh, man, I got to get this. I got to find a metal shop or whatever, but... I didn't have to look far. About five blocks from the firehouse, we had a guy that used to do our barbecues. <laughs> you know the big metal long barbecues yeah, that they yeah, do in firehouses? Yeah, big barrels or yeah, something. This, yeah. yeah, this guy made his, used to make us barbecues every once in a while when we needed them. When we, after we destroyed one or two, we'd go over there and get another one. You know? And uh, I said, wow, let me go over there. And I brought him the, uh, I brought him the uh, drawings. And I says, can you do this? And he's looking at me going, I don't know. What is this part? And it was the spring-loaded hinges, you know. And he goes, I don't know. What's this? I go, listen, would it help if I if I bought, like, a sample? He goes, yeah, it would. I went home, and I I took, in high school, I went to a vocational high school, I took woodworking. And ever since then, I used to make stuff around the house and all. And it took me, like, an hour. I made exactly, because I knew the size of the tubing I wanted, six inch by six inch. I knew I wanted to make the hinge system that slides on it. And I didn't have springs, though. So I go and I take the, the springs off my, my screen door in the backyard. <laughs> and I cut it down, and I made two out of it. And I says, listen, I only made two, but you see there's four. And he goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. When I showed him that thing, with the, how it worked and all, he goes, oh, we can make that. And that's how it that's how it started. I worked with them in between tours. I used to go to the metal shop in between my tours and work with the guys on making the first prototype. And I did that for like uh, two, three months. And we first got the first prototype, and then uh, that was that. You know, brought it to uh, the first prototype. We brought to uh, FDIC. I had a chief that said. Uh, he didn't even know I had the prop. He goes, oh, I've got a forcible entry. We're going to do a forcible entry class. And uh, I go, oh, I got something you might want. And he saw it. He goes, oh, my God. He says, bring it. We'll, we'll ship that there. And then we'll go there. And uh, we went there and we wound up doing uh, that for five years in a row. At FDIC, we did the hot classes. And uh, the first year, I had the prototype. And we realized, hey, this is going to fly. And then I, and Bobby Horton wanted to buy that, the prototype. He says, oh, you leave it here and you come back next year. And I go, no, no, no. And everybody's like, whoa, you're saying no to Bobby Bob, Horton? I go, no to Bobby, no. no to the Godfather. Yeah, I says, <laughs> I, says, I says, no, no, Bobby, next year we come back and come back with a better door. Because I knew where I wanted to make the differences. I just wanted to see that the concept worked. And we trained 200 guys in a couple of days, whatever it was. I forget the yeah. number. It was crazy. But it was perfect. And the guy I went, the guy I went there with, Brendan Coyne, he goes to me, he goes, that night, you know, sharing a, a, a what you call, a hotel room. He's in the other bed. He goes, he goes, hey, Mike, you still awake? I go, yeah, what's up, Brendan? He goes, you got a winner, man. He goes, you got a winner there. <laughs> I says, yeah, I think so. I think so. You know, it works good. It trains the guys great. I says, but I got ideas in my head how to make it better. 
And it just, you know, I worked on it, tweaked it up, and it is what it is today. You know, it's got over 1,800 of them out. I think there's 18 right now. It's like 1,850 of them out there. So That's awesome. Pretty. So where, uh, Even, where, where have you sent them? Are you overseas yet? All over. All over. Mostly U.S., of course, yeah. We got the, I got military's got them. Fort Bragg's got doors, six doors, six of my doors down there. They got, besides fire department, I mean. Sure. Got marshals have the doors, military guys. I got um, Secret Service has a door. Uh, FBI has a door. Marines have a door. Fort AP Hill, the SEALs have a door. They got another another SEALs team's got one in Hawaii. Uh, you know, I can go on and on. I got doors yeah. in Australia. That's awesome. Uh, You're all over the globe. Yeah, right? yeah. But we're not looking to. I'm not looking to go. I, U.S. is fine with me. Keep yeah. it. Keep it. Away, you yeah. know what I mean. For sure. But, no. uh, yeah, I'm not bragging, but it is, you know, it, I, can't, I guess it's kind of bragging. But uh, and you know what? It works so well. I mean, you can see it. You know, it's a testament to it it's a testament to, to the product that not only that, um, uh, one, you had a good product, but you also had the job experience to back that up, right? Um, how, how pivotal do you think that that decision was to go to FDIC um in terms of the success of the door getting popular. Yeah, I think that was good. I mean, it fell in my lap because, my, like I said, uh, John, Chief John Buckeye, uh, he didn't even know that I had the prop, but he worked with us when he was a lieutenant. He says, oh, you're a good forcible entry guy, and uh, would you like to come for this class? We got I think we had like five or six guys. I forget now. I think it was five or six of us. And I said, yeah, sounds good. Why not? It's cool. I says I got a I got a door prop too, if it helps. He goes, eh, really? So and so's got one. And when he saw mine, he goes, Oh my god, he goes, this is great. <laughs> he goes, Let's get it shipped there, and that'll be part of it. And I think John did a whole bunch of other stuff like uh, uh, glass doors and all that other stuff. We had another guy that did roll downs, uh, roll down cutting. We had like a four station thing, you know, yeah. and. Uh, and it was cool, and we did that for like five years. But then the logistics became a little ridiculous, so kind of gave that up. And uh, it was good though for what it lasted. But uh, you don't, you know. I mean, yeah, they're, no. they're all good over there. Bobby Horton's a great guy. I love Bobby Horton. But you know, it gets to the point where it's not worth it anymore. Kind of like doing it. But, yeah, no. You know, yeah. Training of the guys was all, training guys was always good. I mean, that was that was cool too. So. Well, you can tell just the, the 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 training of it and just the the information that you're able to speak is the the the, the training part. I can just see is just um, that to me is it, it exudes like the excitement that you have off of that. Like, yeah, the logistics, getting down there, coordinating that, balancing work life balance, and 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 getting doors going. Um, but I can just tell like just this conversation and just other things I've seen too, like just the being able to you know teach someone something new the the techniques i think anyone that has that drive to want to get better that's uh that that's contagious that feeling that you see someone starting to get it starting to nail it that that they're now developing a skill that they didn't have before i think is just a such a solid feeling that i think i don't think ever goes away no no it's always fun doing class i mean covid put a Put oh, almost a complete shit. kibosh on doing class, yeah. big classes, you know. But that'll come back again, you know. I'd like to do some uh, uh, fundraisers too with the with the training, maybe. Yeah. And, uh, I'll see how that goes. Um, 
So did COVID did COVID inspire getting on Instagram? think so uh my son inspired that he goes dad everybody's on instagram i said i'm like what the hell's instagram you know i says isn't it enough that we got a website and a facebook thing you know i, I don't even know what the i don't even monitor the facebook at all i don't know what's going on they, how old's your son does my he's uh 29 29 28 okay yeah. mike you'd be you, you talk to your son and you you ask him about tiktok you are uh, you would be a phenomenon on tiktok yeah, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> um, right now, uh, thank God, uh, I knock on wood. I'm knocking on my head. Listen, <laughs> okay, okay. Knock on wood. Uh, the uh, the orders are good. You know, good. I, I don't know if I can increase them right now <laughs> because the more exposure you have, the more orders you seem yeah, to be getting. But for sure. you know, I mean, that's a good thing. You can't say that's bad as long as. A, as long as the fabricators keep up, <laughs> yeah. you know, and uh, and it's funny when you slow down a little, you get all panicky. Oh my god, <laughs> it's done, it's over. It's back up, and then you get panicky that there's too many orders, <laughs> you know, which is a good thing. So yes, um, but uh, you know what? I, it's funny. I get, I definitely made a difference. I know that. I'm not patting myself on the back, even though I have one arm longer than the other, the one that pats myself on the back <laughs> all the time. But uh, I even got an email from. Uh, which we call Moscow, believe it or not. Moscow Fire Department, the guy contacted us and said he he thanked us for the videos because they changed their tech uh, or they were doing something. I'm up telling you. Techniques. I was like, holy crap. Yeah. From yeah. Moscow. Yeah, it's, that's, what, that's what's uh, insane about social media is like, is the same, you inspired the same fuckwit kid in Michigan, me, and also all the way in Michigan or Moscow, man, that's insane. Is that that's that so? That is nuts. That is nuts, nuts about yeah. social media right now. Um, yeah. And so, um, Mike, you've given me so much time. I want to kind of close out and say you have all this time on the job. Can you can you say that you have seen it and done it all, or are you still learning? Uh, I'm done with actual fire duty. I don't. I don't, uh, right, but are you, are you still learning new technique that maybe you didn't pick up on the job, even though you've you, you, you've retired? I'll tell you one thing uh, that you said that right off the bat. I thought of uh, when I when I got out of the job, I never knew about those metal chocks, and um, I did a video on one. Uh, Firehouse, uh, what is it? Firehooks Unlimited makes a nice metal chalk, and I didn't know about it until I got out of the job. And actually, they brought it to my attention, and I was like, oh, man, if I had these, these would make the job even better. Especially on outward opening doors, if they're real tight and you're by yourself. Like, say you're the roof man, you got a tight bulkhead door, right? Metal jam, metal outward opening door. Yeah. I, what I used to do when it was real tight, I used to just hit, in fact, it's on one of my videos with my crush door simulator. I put a real slab in there, and I show how if you hit two or three inches in and you hit the door enough times, it starts to buckle in and the edge comes towards you. That's how I used to open up the edge on a real tight door when I was by myself. Nobody okay. hit me in. But when I saw these metal chocks, I'm like, oh, man, that would have been so cool. On the roof, you just drive that in to get a little bit of a gap and drop your ad's end in and start crushing the door over and get behind the door and pop the door out. You know, it's an outward opening door, yeah. so you could do that. And I was like, man... If I had that, and even even inside, when you buy yourself and you're going on an inward opening door, I used to just use the door, regular wooden shocks, and drive them in a 
bit when I had a little bit of a gap and drive that in and used to move the door. But with a metal one, you can drive it in like you're driving ahead of an accent. You can really drive it in good, real good, and then just drop your ads behind the gym and slide up to the lock and just right there, you're right on the lock. You know what I mean? So that I will uh, say too. I wish I had uh, when I was working. I will say too. When uh, the one of the videos recently that you had on Instagram was the uh, I'm just gonna call it like the the roof hook spaghetti twirl of the curtain. Oh, clear! That's an OVM move, yeah. That's an OVM. <laughs> clears it, clears it out. Yeah, that well, is, outside vent man, yeah. That is such a, a such a solid technique yeah. if you're trying to get get through, um, a, you know, go, going through mm-hmm. the window that VES operation or or venting, and you still have that drape that's gonna prevent so much of that ventilation to even occur yeah um yep. i mean what a, what, a, what a simple simple technique simple man. right but it works great the only thing is when you pull everything out you got to untwirl it that's that's <laughs> right you get like and then the job like you get like come on already get off the hook you know you get to the next thing so you know you got to try and get this shit off the hook so don't twirl too many times just enough to really grab hold and pull everything but when you pull everything everything comes out with that it's pretty cool you never have to reach in past the glass. And that's mostly, that was from the, um, what you call it, New Law Tenements. We used to go down the alleyway, and that the, the actual um, windowsill was at like your head height. So you're reaching up, hitting with, you know, breaking the glass. And oh, by the way, when you do break the glass with the hook, try not to do it straight on. Do it on an angle because the glass sometimes will slide down the hook. You know, okay. broken shots and slide yeah. down the hook. So you kind of want to take it. But sometimes the, the window is so high over you, your, your head is easing with the sill. Then you got to reach up to get the top pane. And sometimes it's almost straight as it is. You know, so and it's all good. Yeah. It's all good. I remember taking the first time I was ever uh, the old V where I had to take a portable and take the windows out with the portable. You know, you figure which one do you want to VES, and that'll be the last one you get to. So you're going to take the other two windows with the portable and then throw the portable into the third window and then go up there in VES, take the sash out and everything, make it uh, the window a door, you know? Yeah. And I realized when you first do that, you can't have the ladder flat, like like as if it's in the position to climb it when you take the glass because it could ride down. What I used to do is I used to take it out with this, uh, how can I explain it on the phone? The ladder now, rail first. Okay. One rail and then the next rail in a vertical position when you hit the window. Okay. So that when the first rail hits and breaks the glass, the glass hits the top wrong, doesn't come sliding down. It can still yeah. do that, but you know, that's the best way to take out a window. Take it out with the rail of the ladder. Yeah. Not both yeah. rails at the same time where it's flat. Not like in a position you want to climb the ladder. Sure. In sure. a vertical position, you know. I don't know if it explains well. Oh yeah, maybe I'll do a nope. maybe I'll do a short video on that. <laughs> Hell yeah, you should you should do it regardless. All right, last yeah. last couple of que- I have two questions regarding yeah. just the FDNY that I just I just don't know, and there's probably a bunch of people listening that they're gonna call me an idiot for not knowing, but you know whatever. Um, when is it appropriate, or when if I was on if I was on the job with the FDNY, when would I say? Um, 236 engine or engine 236? Well, if you're calling in, let's just say we're rolling up to a job, right? Say 236 to Brooklyn, okay? Don't even give engine. You could give engine. You give engine 236 to Brooklyn, that's fine. But a lot of times the dispatcher knows you're rolling in. He's got you dispatched. 
and a lot of times it's just two three six to Brooklyn K, you know, or um, you know like like when I when I was a chauffeur, a lot of times we'd roll in and the office would say give it ten seventy five or whatever. So I'm rolling in, taking position position in the rig, grab the radio, and I'd go uh, one seventy five to Brooklyn K. You know, a lot of times you know you know a lot of guys that and given the ten seventy five, they may not use the K. The K is like come back, or you do urgent to Brooklyn. Uh, there's 175 urgent. We got 1075 the box. You know, there's a lot of different ways of giving it, but usually, you know, when you're out in, on BI and you're doing something and it doesn't matter, you go ladder 175 to Brooklyn K. Okay. Yeah. You know, that's it. But you know, you're rolling into a box. It's like uh, you were saying the truck. It's usually, it's usually, it's usually 175 to Brooklyn K, okay, 1075 the box. You know, something like that. Yeah. Right. So, well, so, so, so K, know what's going K means you want a response. K is, is that, like give me a response back. Yeah, you know, is that to uh, is that to, is that just to uh, the dispatch center? You know what's funny? Everyone? You know what's funny? Everybody goes, especially when you know what's the K. I, go, I don't know. That's what we do after. <laughs> it's like my message is done now to you. Yeah, it's like. Okay. So we always did that. Do you guys do the K? Or no, no. So, so from at least from my uh, my perspective, from what I've you know, spent time in, in listening and talking with folks. That's a that's an a, an FDNY only thing. Oh yeah. You know, it okay. might you know you might have people that in, are in the surrounding area to to New York, and and they might have uh, just stuff that you picked up, and maybe there's some outliers out there. But from my experience mm-hmm. and kind of what I've heard, yeah, the and that's why I asked the question is I've never heard uh, another department. Yeah, I, we end, all we all ask the K. same thing. We all ask the same thing too at one time. I did too. I don't know if I ever got the right answer from anybody, but it's like, why don't we do the K? I guess, it's, and I think it's, I think it's like end of message time for you to respond. That's what sure. I think it is for sure. You know, like one seventy five to Brooklyn K. Yeah. Well, I don't know. We always just seem to do it. You wouldn't go one seventy five to Brooklyn. Yeah. It's either way. It's uh, you know, they'll answer you either way, but right. it seems like more. Uh, I don't know. I guess. If you're, I don't know. Uh, you gotta get a, you gotta get a real buff that knows like the history, <laughs> the history of the K, yeah, 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 the history yeah. of the K after the company, or after any message, really. You know, you K sometimes. So. Right on. Well, Mike, um, I I appreciate you giving me your time tonight. Um, I had a, a great time talking with you. You were a wealth of knowledge, and um, thank you so much. Thank you so much for teaching uh, myself and my guys um, better, better force blentry. Um, and it was, uh, and 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 honestly. You know, people to Moscow too. I guess you know we're kind of in that same. Yeah, boat, that so. was crazy. I wish we would have saved that email. Yeah, that no, was right. Crazy. Um, yeah. But Mike, again, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Have, like, I wish you uh, the best and uh, Firehouse Corp. I, I hope uh, in, uh, Firehouse Innovations Corp. I hope that uh, continues for you and you have uh, a long, fruitful uh, career with that. And um, thank you so much uh, for your time it, tonight. Yeah, anytime, anytime. Awesome. It was fun. Awesome. Well, so I hope I didn't ra- hope I didn't ramble too much on something. Uh, Mike, you want to call me back in a week? Mike, you want to call me back in a week? And you're like, dude, Chris, I gotta talk to you about this job I had. You you're gonna shit. Then we'll we'll talk we'll talk more after that. That, that the jobs the jobs I've had I'll save for for the book. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'll save that for the book. And we got you know one what? my friend. I'll ghostwrite like it me. for you. Yeah, a few, a few of our guys, we go out, you know, we go out a lot. Well, not so much anymore, but, you know, it's a little here and there. And we go out to eat, and we get about uh, sometimes around, yeah, average around 12 guys go out, you know. And we go out, and uh, 
hang out and, and uh, just eat and drink and laugh our asses off about old times. And it's funny, every time we turn around, somebody will go, yeah, I got to put it in the book. Everybody's got the book, <laughs> the book. you know, like yeah. we're choking around. We all got the book in us, Every, you know? Yeah, everyone's it's got funny. the book. Yeah, man, for the sure. Yeah. Uh, well, I look forward Very to that good. book. All right, Mike. Well, you have yeah. a good night, right, and um, I'll talk to you soon. All right. We'll, uh, we'll all right. and we'll connect. And uh, uh, thank you so much uh, for listening. Thank you so much to Mike Perone for giving us his time, talking to us about the truck and techniques and tactics and forcible entry. And I just had so much fun talking with him. The guy's a wealth of knowledge, and he's really making uh, he's really making the fire service better. You know, he he's. He found a he he found a need. He responded to it, and um, the 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 doors are badass. If you don't already like and follow Firehouse Innovations Corp on Facebook and Instagram, uh, Mike posts daily, almost daily, on techniques for just all around uh, of, of firefighter tactics. Uh, if you're on a huge department like the FDNY or or or, or rural wherever, um, you, you're going to learn something. Um, I had so much fun talking with him. And, uh, you know, as we move forward with, with uh, everything here, I know I kind of like to try a call to action. I don't think I have anything. You know what? You know what I have? Um, hug your mom. If your mom is alive, hug your mom. Um, a dear friend of mine, Dan, his, his mother passed away uh, from cancer. And uh, his message to me and uh, everyone he knew was uh, hug your mom. And, and you know, so go and, go and hug those in your life that are still around. Uh, because you know tomorrow isn't promised it's a gift so hug the ones you love hug your mom and uh you know if your mom's not uh, around anymore um you know take a take five minutes today and, and think about her so until next time thank you so much and we'll uh we'll talk with you soon <laughs>